0: it's kind of a reunion here today isn't it with one gathering together like this and so it's good to see it, it's it feels good to be with people in the room together uh, there's a few lean weeks we've had where where's everybody at and so today it kind of there's something that coming together where God is here, you're here, but other people are here together. There's something dynamic about that, isn't it? And so this is a season that we're in of offering one service together. And and what will happen? I don't know. If there's too many people, then I guess we'll go to two services. I You know, go back to that. But we're glad you're here Many of you here in person here this morning, welcome here today. My name is Dan. If you haven't met, if we haven't met, and also online, I just want you to know if you're uh, connecting with us for the first time, we're we're really glad you're here as well. And what we found is there's still a lot of you that are watching online in in the service, and so you matter to us. You're, it's very important that we're able to reach out to you in the, whatever way we can. Uh, as well this morning. Maybe you're watching throughout the week somewhere or driving along listening to this. We're glad you're here with us today. Well, as you saw in what we're doing here this fall in this series called Living in the Light, it's not just gathering on Sunday morning that matters. It's not one and done as we're doing today. It actually is part of a season that we're in of spiritual growth, which we should be always in a season of spiritual growth, but emphasizing how we can do that together. And so in three ways to be gathered together as we're doing here on Sunday morning or online, as well as participating in the the growth guide that we've provided. Last week we made these available and there's more of them in the back and if you have not received a growth guide for as we're going through the book of John, we highly encourage you to do that. And I love what I what's put together in here is there's spiritual practices each week and sometimes Practices you kind of need to change it up a little bit and do it differently. We all kind of get in a routine that can turn into a rut. And we kind of, sometimes we miss the, the meaningfulness of doing it. And one of those this week coming up in week two is, it's called Daily Rhythm. And on page 12, when you go to your books this week, I love how it's laid out. It's a simple practice of connecting with Jesus, yourself and others throughout the day. Practicing the Daily Rhythm. Some of these practices include morning, midday, and evening prayer. Many of us maybe have a, a morning devotion. Maybe we pray at dinner or pray at night before we go to bed. But building in a, a midday time. Maybe it's lunch. Some people go and they go off on their own for lunch. Or maybe you sit in your car. Or some people do and eat their lunch. Or, or you're driving from home from work. Or finding a moment in your day that you say, No, I'm going to take some time and just spend time with the Lord in prayer. I love this. It says, Scripture before screens. Come on. How easy it is. We wake up in the morning and we grab that device to actually go. No, I'm gonna grab this leather-bound thin page thing called a Bible. And and because some of you well, I use I use my phone for my Bible. Get a get a, a printed Bible, okay? If you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. Please start with that. Put away because it's so distracting. And to be able to spend some time in Scripture before we grab anything else because it's so distracting. I love this. Not waiting on the phone. Not waiting on the phone. Basically, when you're uh, in line at the grocery store, or you're—if some of how we have our phones mounted, we're not—we're t- not touching our phone, you know, picking it up because we're legal, but we're still playing with our phone at the stoplight. We're checking, scrolling, and doing all of that. We're trying to fill our lives with the little—the little, the little moments—and and not creating margin in our lives. Just not doing anything is so helpful to actually create some space to maybe hear the Lord hear the spirit of God speak to us in those margins throughout the day and throughout the week. And then I love this meaningful connection with others. When you put those distractions away, when you don't, you're not on the phone in the grocery store, there's, you look around, there's, oh, there's actually people around. There's the, the checker that's helping you. There's, there's people you're interacting with. I think one day our great-grandchildren are going to look at photos of us staring at some screen like, grandma, grandpa, what were you, why was your head down all the whole time? what a waste that would be, right? And so be able to find meaningful time together. I think this is a great little daily rhythm to to practice. I'm going to try to do that in my life this week. So make sure you grab a a, a, a spiritual guide. But here's the other thing about it. We, we've we had gatherings. We've got, we've got growth guides. But groups are so important. We're not called to grow spiritually alone. I know I can't. I, I, I'm not very good at it. I, I need people around me to encourage me and to help me. And so we want you to know we have groups all throughout the week. Shapes and sizes and nights. We have groups. I was just talking with someone that had a, oh, actually Dave. Dave's part of a group, a men's group. That Their, their last group they made, and they had brats in bonfire last week. You know, they just went down to the beach and hung out. That's a guide Time right there, and they just talked about the Lord. There was only three of them so far. Other guys are going to join in, so you can do it outside. You can also do it online. I was I'm a for uh, young young parents. They have babies, and so our group starts at eight thirty on Wednesday night. Uh, get, settle the kids to the bed. And they, they, they had their water. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. And then we get on screens together. And it works because i found with when we had little ones, it was very difficult even prior to COVID to actually even have group. And so to be able to do that is a really cool thing. So if you want to be in our online group, let me know uh, if you're, you have a young family to, to do that and participate. So there's all kinds of ways. And so as Chris mentioned, let us know on the connection card. We'll find a group for you. And so important as we we grow spiritually together. But we've been started off last week going through the book of John and we we did really what was kind of a preamble. It was kind of a it was a it was a warm up the whole book of the Bible of John, where this describes Jesus as the light of the world, and in, in verse eighteen, it, it ends with this this thought. Or it's verse fourteen, it says that that he is filled. He was filled with both grace and truth. I don't want to talk about that as, this morning as we move into chapter three and four this week. In your reading is John three and four that you'll be discussing and going through your growth guides in and and, and just. Just thinking about and reflecting upon. And there's really kind of two individuals that stand out in the book of John in those three, chapter three and four. It's kind of interesting. There's this religious insider, kind of a rich religious insider, and then there's this poor pagan outsider. In John chapter three, which I'm just going to mention briefly, and we'll spend more time in four here for a few minutes. In three, this rich insider named Nicodemus approaches Jesus and he does it at night. He goes to him and and part of it was when you're a Pharisee and you're kind of following the the rules, you did not want to really know that people you're associated are really connecting with Jesus. It's hard to believe that, but Jesus wasn't very religious. He was actually kind of a rebel during that time. And so Nicodemus just kind of protecting his reputation, goes to Jesus, but he's seeking him. He's desiring him. He's wanting to, to really know, and there's something special about him. And he asks him basically a question. Jesus, tell me about the kingdom. How can I be involved in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says to him, well, you've, you, need, you need to be born twice. What? I'm born once. How do I be born, ag- born again? Yeah, born again. Born of the Spirit. And, and 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 he describes what how do we do that? How do we be born of the Spirit? Well, he Jesus shares the most famous verse of all verses in, in history. It's the verse that you know. It's it, You maybe memorize it, and you know, millions of VBS kids memorized it. It's the verse that, that the guy's holding up the sign in the stadium. Remember those? It's the it's, you know, spray paint, which I always find interesting. Graffiti scripture, which is really interesting when people do that. And, and it's actually, if you can believe this, it's on the bottom of your Woods coffee cup. Next time you go to Woods... Don't, make sure you don't spill coffee on yourself. You can look up, and you'll see it. It's it is John three sixteen. Can we can we read this together? If you're online, right where you are, read it, right to your screen as we're doing this together in the house. Let's read it together. For God. I didn't think I needed to help you with that one. You, you know that, word, that, that verse well. It is, the, it is the one and done Bible verse. If there was one verse you needed to just describe how you come to Jesus and what Jesus does, what he did for us, and transform life for eternity is that verse. But as much as John 3.16 is so powerful, do you ever spend some time in looking at John 3.17? Isn't that a good one here? We give 16, oh that was great. No, look at seventy. for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It, the, the context is, is to this rich, insider religious person but it also it, it just so translates over into John chapter 4 to this poor, pagan, outsider. And what one who was easily considered to be condemned, Jesus expresses both grace and truth for one reason. John three sixteen, God so loved. And you think about love. You think about God's love. It's it's wonderful, but it's so different than the love that we really know. It, th- this love that that's there is is this which we all need and all desire to have and experience human love and God's love is is, is is so different, but we need it. It's just like the air we breathe. It's just like the food we eat. It's the shelter we we need. And the water we drink. We need is a basic necessity. Uh, Lisa Tillchrist put this little survey out a while back about what it means to feel loved. And she got this these responses back, where it was interesting. She said she heard back that for some people to know for certain, my life matters to someone. that's that's how they describe being loved. To be seen and to be heard, to connect deeply with another. I wonder how you would describe. It. And I would describe love. That is something you talked in your group this week. What, is, what, is, what does love really mean to you? How, how do you know that you're loved? And I, I think as much as those are wonderful things, we still look at love in a human level as very transactional. You know, I'll love you as long as you love me. We, 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 we do this. We don't try to do this. But if, if it's one-sided so long, it's a weighing on the relationship. And it's not, it's very difficult. And yet, The love that God has for us is so quite different. In fact, as we're going to look at John 4 in a moment, I want to just go ahead a little bit and go to 1 John 4. Same author, different letter, who writes this. John writes this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. I I don't know what your first love was. I don't know if it was, you know, puppy love, and you maybe passed a note back and forth, and kids probably text each other now, but you wrote a note. To a friend, and there's little hearts and little things, and it might, that might have been puppy love on a playground. There might have been a moment and holding hands, and you felt the warmth of that person. Like, oh, I th- is this love? <laughs> you went on a prom date, and you just like, I found the man or woman of my dreams. Right? I want you to know that you think that might be your first love. It's not your first love. God's God is your first love. And you're like, I don't, I didn't know love God back then. Well, just like your. Just like you as parents, if you're parents, you loved your child before they loved you back. They didn't have the ability, they didn't have the capacity to love you. That's how God loves us. He loved us first. This is love, John says, that not that we love God, but he loved us. And then he says this, "...who sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins." How do I know Jesus loving? me? How do I really know? How do you say God loves us? Well, it, it, the full extent of his love was on the cross for us. Jesus proved his love for us. See, our core truth today is this. Love like that makes all the difference in the world. A love like that, the love of Christ, makes all the difference in the world and translates so much into our lives. And so, as, as it was true for the rich religious insider, it's still also true for this pagan poor outsider that we're going to look. And we're going to go from First John 4 to John chapter 4 in the gospel. You can follow along with me. Verse 4 is Jesus is traveling from one village to the next. It says now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and, and Jesus t- tired as he, he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. You can picture this. It, it's interesting where the scripture describes Jesus very human. He's thirsty. He's tired. He's sitting at this well. He's by himself, and he's he's in need. And yet, as Jesus does, he capitalizes, he leverages the opportunity always to where he's at to reach out to people that are in need as well. Someone who is actually desperately needing more than just a drink, but, but but really desperately needing love. Notice, I find it's curious in Scripture sometimes, it's interesting, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. So if you care like about the details in the Bible, that's very significant. You see, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with one another. Definitely Jews would not, they, they, you say, had to go through Samaria. It, actually, the opposite was the case. He didn't have to go. He could have went around Samaria because that's what ju- good Jewish people did. And they never went through it. But Jesus never avoided uh, anything, did he? Never, he never diverted away. He always, it was, it was the love of God and the, and the desire to, for his mission that he was compelled to break down any kind of walls and truly to really hear in this well-known well. John writes this. It says, when a a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, to will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And we read that, you go like, Jesus, why can't you get your own water? Why, what's going on here? No, it's a setup. It's a conversation. He's looking at it saying, I, 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 I need a drink. I need, I need some water. Will you, will you help me out? It was a way, it was a tool to have a way of communication with this woman. What was going on, and you could almost say pun intended, he was testing the waters. He was testing the waters with this woman realizing he was wanting to reach out to her but he was going to have to push through some barriers. These barriers were political. Again, Jews and and, and non-Jews did not associate especially Samaritans with one another. It was a racial barrier, you know, Full-fledged, 100% Jews did not associate with a mixed race, which was Jewish people and Gentile people were the Samaritans. Racism still was an issue back, huge issue back then as well. Social barrier, it was not proper for a man of such prestige, even if Jesus being a rabbi, to actually talk, engage with a a woman by himself. Men did not do that. It was not something that happened. He broke all these barriers. And I think we need to remind of this, that love like that, you could write this thought in, is this, that Jesus is willing, to do whatever it takes to meet us where we are. Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes to meet us where we are. I don't know what extreme you can think about that Jesus reached you. For some of you you grew up in the church and it was just it was just part of your life and it, it seemed easy to come to faith in Christ, maybe even too easy because it was just handed to you. This is what faith looks like. For some of us here, we had what we consider a radical testimony. We, we went through maybe a huge transformation in our life. Maybe we were addicted. We were strung out. We were in a place of utter despair and dysfunction in our life. And some way, somehow, Jesus reached in. The light of the world came and lit up our room and lit up our life. And it changed us and transformed us from the inside out. What did Jesus do Did to extreme to reach you? That's what Jesus is about. And I know we all have... Uh, Different stories. We all have different ways, but we have one thing in common: that we have sinful pasts. We have struggles that are there, and 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 our sin can tag us differently. And and for this woman, we're going to look. It was the unpacker story. It really was. It was a hang up she was working through, and the issues that she had. But there was a breakthrough that he that Jesus does. And I tell you, that's the same thing that Jesus wants to meet us at our point of need. Jesus wants to meet us at the watering hole. Of our soul. Because a love like that, know this, is that Jesus offers something that the world can never give. The, Jesus offers something the world can never give. Jesus asked for water, but and the woman ahead, it's almost she made it complicated. She's like, you notice that she's like, oh, here's some water, and she goes off. But, but it's interesting. What, what it says is the, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a, a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, did not associate with Samaritans. Like she just calls it out. Like you would think that why is she making this a big deal? But there was a reason. This was a shocking thing for her, and you, you sense this tone almost. She's like, you you don't realize who I am. Not only am I a woman, but I am I am. People don't really want to associate with me. They, if you really knew my past, if you really know you know who I am, it's it's interesting because the woman here. What we find is that that she went to get the water, but it was like, it seems like it was in the middle of the day. You know, people don't get fetch water. They did it in the morning. It was cooler in the morning. They didn't go in the middle of the day to get water, but here she is in the middle of the day. Why did she do that? She wanted to avoid avoid all the other women in the village. Why? Because well, we're going to look at her reputation and who she was, she was that type of person in the community. And so she didn't want to suffer any kind of um, any any kind of ridicule. I think we, we find ourselves, and I don't know what title you've had to shake in your life, but there's times that we're trying to shake the, the, our past and the choices we made and the stigmas that are there. We, we, we didn't come from a proper family or we, we, we're we alienated in a certain way that in our lives and we've had these stigmas that we're trying to get over. And, and if, if, if you are like that, you probably could relate with her and what she was going through. If you're feeling this way, you need to understand this. First of all, whoever says who you are and what you are, that's not you, right? That's their problem. And yet, it was it became her problem that she had dealt with. And Jesus sees her in a, in a point of need and really a deep down thirst. And what we find is is a is a is a thirst for love, a, a thirst for acceptance and value in her life. She never lived a life of love. She lived a life of shame and rejection and emptiness. And God, God's Love, though, is opposite. It it settles in and brings the best of of who a person is. And, And yet, there's this fight and this struggle that she's going through of her own life, and and as we see, and what she's needing, and and what Jesus offers, and yet there's, there's probably resistance, and I think for all of us, there can be that kind of thing, where we're just like, you don't really ask what I've gone through, I don't really deserve this kind of love, Jesus, I don't really deserve what you're offering me, and I think, I think we could, many of us could struggle, maybe you're struggling, it's hard, it's hard to really accept that, but quite the opposite sometimes. We, we can find ourselves being opposite of being the ones that are judging others. Can I tell you, whether you see yourself immoral or you see yourself the opposite as judging, Jesus still wants to reach both, giving us both tr- grace and truth in our lives. And we, we need to recognize that Jesus came to break these barriers for this woman and to set his agenda for her life. An altering moment, this, what we find is this, this living water to satisfy her soul. Look at verse 10. It says Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who was to ask for a drink, you would have asked, and he would have been giving you living water. Such experience sparks this woman. She says, Sir. When this this offer, sir, the woman said, "You have nothing to draw from. This this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from itself, as also his sons and his livestock?" Now, jump, jump to verse thirteen. Jesus said to her back, "Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst." Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to tell you this is that many of us have wells in our life that we, we go to when we're dry and when we're thirsty. There's there's places we go. There's people we turn to. There's experiences that we have that we turn to in our life in in the time of need. I, I don't know what your well is that you, you, you go to. It might be the well of knowledge. It might be the the well of career. You you pour yourself into what you're doing. It might be it might be fitness. It might be a hobby. It might be entertainment. It might be something that you're trying to fill the crevices of your soul that's there. And you need to admit, I need to admit at times, as much as even some of those things can be healthy things that we do, to take care of our body and take care of our mind and everything that we find ourselves being that type of person that's healthy person, we find it's still not enough. Just to be completely healthy in our life and, and it, it, without the living water of, of Jesus, we're still going to come up empty. And what happens is we, we turn to healthy things that are not really... F- feeding us, we'll end up turning to unhealthy things. That does lead to a darker path of addiction that will never ever satisfy, but never quench our soul. And Jesus offers this living water that comes. And so I just want to challenge you, wh- where, is your, where is your well right now? What, do you, what is your go-to? What are you turning to that you find yourself, it's so leaving me empty and so leaving me dry? Here, this thirsty woman asks. The woman said, "Sir, give me this water, so I won't get thirsty." And having to come here to draw the water, what what Jesus says next models everything. He he it, this this welling for her soul to be filled, and and we to you know, understand Jesus what he does and he fills he fills her, but he. But he's filled with grace, but he's also filled with truth to confront the issue at hand. For a love like that, know this, Jesus gracefully but truthfully confronts the deep down thirst for, for love. Verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Can you imagine that moment when the curtain is lifted and here this guy that just wanted some water, and, and I'm getting, now I'm in this conversation, and like, what did I get myself into? And, and then he's like saying this, and like, how does he know? He's, he doesn't live in my community, and like, is he looking on my Instagram account? Is he, is he, like, how does he know my story? Well, it's, it's Jesus. It's this, and she knew at this moment, this, this guy, this is not just some guy. This is someone who knows deep and where she's at. She must have been thinking, how did he know this? You know, and and we don't know much about this woman, but but she, well, we do know that she had multiple husbands, and it seems obvious that she has. Issues I and mean, people call man problems, right? But I want to tell you, we all have man problems, even if you're a man. Uh, you really have man problems. We all struggle. We all think I'm like, no, I, I don't have a problem. I, I don't have pe- people issues. No, we all do. We all we're all seeking approval. We're all looking for it at times. And, and, and so what we, where we spend our time and where we spend our energies and everything is so much of especially today and, and keeping our image of who we are on the outside. We all struggle with this. And if we look toward that, we find ourselves coming up empty, never really truly satisfied. I was reminded recently of a story, and if you're my age and older, you might have heard this name, Squeaky Fromm. Does anybody know that, Squeaky Fromm? She served, I think she finished her sentence of 34 years for the attempted assassination of President Gerald Ford in 1975. They asked her, why would you do this? This young gal do this. She goes, Charlie wanted me to do it. Charlie was Charles Manson, the madman. But he was, she was part of one of the, the ladies in this cult that, that he had started. And this is what she said. She said, why would you do this? He, she, she said, he was the first man who accepted me. I will give my life to him there's a thirst that was there. There was a desire for to fill her empty soul. I don't care if you're a man or woman. We all have people issues. We all struggle at times. We're all looking for the wells and looking for other people to fill us, and it never is enough. It never is. You, You remember the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? We still do that, don't we? And we find ourselves going back. No, no. And I love this, that Jesus, you know what he did at this moment? He didn't, yes, he pointed out her sin, but he didn't make her feel wrong. He made her feel loved. It's both grace and truth, the way he does that. And I believe Jesus is sitting at the water hole of each of our lives. And he wants us to help deal with our people issues, the issues of our lives, and and, and those we're involved with. And he he wants to bring the, you know the the, the 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 things that we're seeking approval, the things that we're hoping people would give us accolades and approval. He said, No, no, no. I have something that that will never ever that 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 those things will never those people will never ever fill you. What you truly need is this living water that I have for you. So if you're feeling dry and empty and unloved, if you're feeling that way today, it's not God's intention for us. Jesus is, is sitting. He's, he's with us at the watering hole of our life. He's, he's there in wanting us to take a gr- big drink of his great love. And what's amazing, what we found with this woman, you would think she, maybe you would think, gosh, you know, Jesus really judged her. No, there was such a supernatural love and, and, and care for this woman in such a way, it just bubbled over. Like there was a feeling and a feeling that she experienced that she couldn't help share it with others. See, finally know this, when when Jesus meets our deep down thirst, we can't help but tell others the source. This woman was like a spiritual sponge. Her life was transformed. And I love her enthusiasm spills over. You jump at the last part of John chapter four, verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar. You could kind of, you could pass over that. No, 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 not so significant. Leaving her water jar. The very thing she came that day. The very thing that she, she was coming to the well. She was coming at noonday. She was dealing with all this this dysfunction and this shame and everything. And she's just trying to get water for the day. She's just trying to get through the day. She's just trying to get her life filled up for the day. And the next day she'll do the same thing over and over again. And this day was going to be different. Such a difference of being filled by Jesus in such a way that she left the very thing that she relied upon. I wonder for your life, what is it that you're holding on to? What is the very thing that you're trying to fill your life with And it's just not enough. Is it possible you need to let go of that to turn to Jesus, this living water? That's what she did. It says, Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jump to verse 39. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Listen, says, he told me everything I did. And it wasn't everything it did a judgment. He knows my life. He knows my struggles. He knows my concerns. And he still loved me and he still accepted me. She, She was like, you'll never believe this. You'll never what he did. He revealed all this in my life and he changed me. and He transformed me. You can experience the same. Well, verse 40 says, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, Jesus, to stay with them. He stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. I love that, the story of this woman. It wasn't like she learned some faith class to share the four spiritual laws, or here's five steps to come to Jesus, or, you know, she didn't have to post anything, a cute little meme on on, on her Instagram or Facebook, to show that she's a, she didn't have to do any of that stuff. Nothing cutesy about it. She goes, my life has been transformed. I tell you, the greatest advertisement isn't the sign out here. The greatest way of reaching people isn't going to be social media. The greatest way is our lives, our display to be living in this light of Jesus to the people around us. But we have, we can't give what we don't have. Is your well empty? Are you at that place of where you're dry? Listen to verse 42. It says says to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. No, we heard it for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. I'm gonna invite Chris and Hillary to come as we close. She had this moment where she was filled and overflowed and it spilled over into the world around her that needed this living water, this that was so thirsty. I tell you, we live in a world, don't we, that's so thirsty. It's so parched, so in need of the Spirit of God to come and fill them. Christine and I, my wife, we, we Helping out with our students here on Sunday nights and it's been it's been pretty cool to be able to work with students. We hadn't done that for many many years and and so to do that is is really rewarding and working with a great group of young adults who are, who are doing this. And last week actually we had a little brief, brief debriefing time with our, our youth leaders afterwards and and one of the groups shared that of the issues that the kids are struggling with, the number one thing was bullying. And it was, they're saying is, it was bad before COVID. It's worse now. You know, not only cyberbullying but really in-person bullying. It, it's become very, very difficult. And if you are a parent of a teenager or even younger of kids, you probably go like, yeah, oh, it's such a huge, huge problem. And I'm just thinking these these kids, they're just they're just hungry and they're thirsty for love and acceptance. We're doing this th- this theme called P- Purpose on the Planet. We said to them last week, you matter. They just need to know you matter. Tonight we're talking about you belong. Mm. You belong. You belong here. You belong to God. And when they Kids need it. We as big kids need to hear that in this competitive and this, this world that's just so out of control at times. That if we're continuing to turn to this world that it's offering these water holes, they'll never truly satisfy. For what we really truly need in this thirsty world is the Spirit of God to fill us and to fill us again. And I want to invite you to stand as we call upon the Holy Spirit to do such things for our souls. If you're thirsty, this is the place to drink. He is the one that we drink from. This is the moment and opportunity that you can practice today and every day to drink from him. And so if you're thirsty and if you're dry and you would even admit, I'm so dry and thirsty, I don't even really desire the Lord right now. If you would just honestly express that to the Lord, he'll meet you at that need as well. You might need to express in repentance to the Lord. Lord, I've turned to other watering holes. I've turned to other things to quench my thirst. And it's left me high and dry. It's left me in dependence and in addiction and dysfunction. It's left me in a place of emptiness. Lord, I know I need you. And if you would say, you're here today, and maybe some would say, I'm already filled with the Lord. Well, good. You need an overflow. You need an overflow into your work, and into your community, and your family. Say, Lord, fill me up, just overwhelm me with your power and your presence. I invite you to just a way, a sign of surrender, and a sign of just opening ourselves to heaven, that would you lift your hands to the Lord. And even if you're online, in your living room right now, maybe you're by yourself. What a perfect moment you could have. You're driving, one hand, you've got your hand up, say, Lord, I need you. I need you today. Father, we recognize in a a world that is hurting a world that is dry a world that is parched is so thirsty and yet it's like this water that's sitting in a pitcher that nobody's drinking but they're they're dying of thirst and they don't realize it jesus you want to fill them. you want to overflow them and that's for us today may we drink of your spirit the bible says To be filled with the Holy Spirit As a command Be filled with the Holy Spirit May we be filled with your Spirit today And I pray for those that Really haven't experienced your transformation Lord May they start with John 3.16 May they start to believe in you You came to give them eternal life To forgive them of their sins And to cleanse them Lord And then, Lord you said you would not condemn them But save them And so, Lord, we pray for them as well. And those in this room and those watching online, we receive you, Jesus. And as we receive you, Lord, we receive your very spirit to fill us today. Fill us right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. I invite you to sing this with your heart. Sing it with your mind and your voice. And just ask wholeheartedly, Lord, fill me with your spirit today and right now. I invite you to do that and and if you need prayer, we're here to do that as well afterwards to continue on. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Hillary, for leading us. Let's do that now, right now.